The views expressed are not necessarily those of 1010XL 92.5 FM. Now, recruiting tips, advice, and better ways to train. B3 Better presents The Amateur's Edge with Jerry and Sanders, Randy Wade, and A.D. Roberts. Get up, get up, get up, get up, y'all. Casey, what you know about that? Good morning, good morning, good morning. That's for my boy Cleo. He's back. So Cleo, you know? Cleo, yeah. Call me Cleo. I'm just saying. I'll let your boy Casey. I didn't know you were taking requests like a DJ. I remember that next time. Need to get a tip though. You know good music. Welcome to the Amateur's Edge, everybody. This is your host, Jerry and Sanders. We got Randy Wade, Tara J, and Juicy Cleo Lemon. Hey! <laughs> I don't know about that. Yeah, yeah the Juicy, Pause. I don't know about that. Pause. I don't know about that, but I don't know about that. Wait, bro. it just, it does sound right when he says I know it did. Let me take that back. It, it, I just got to call it wrong, man. Let's do that again. Say Cleo Juice Lemon. There we go. That? There we go. I don't think you should be saying it at all. Like lemon, juice, <laughs> zesty. They don't go together. Hey, 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 no diddy over there. No diddy. I can say Leave you my dog alone, man. Leave my dog alone. Cleo yes, sir, yes, sir. Bring it in, man. Come on. <laughs> let's go, man. Let's go. Good deal. So we got an exciting show today. We do. We it's going to be amazing. Listen, if you're in Jacksonville from Jacksonville, you should know the name. She is a household name. Chandra Cheeseboro will be joining us in our second segment just to talk about how highly decorated of a track athlete she was. It's going to be an interesting conversation. We're just going to get her feedback um, in honor of Women's History Month. So shout out to all of our moms. I'll shout out. My mom, I know she's listening. Jerrion has kind of adopted her as his other mother. Definitely. Give a <laughs> shout out to my mom, Brenda Sanders. I know she's listening too. In honor of Women's History Month, y'all want to shout out y'all mamas? Yeah, I shout out my mom. Definitely. I don't know if she's listening, but I, mean, I shout my mom out. Definitely. Okay. Cool, you want cool. to say, tell it? Tell us. Hey. Margaret Wade. Margaret. Right. Hey, Miss Wade. Man, shout out to the memory of Diane Lemon. You know, I lost her a couple years ago. Um, but, you know, she's always with me, man. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. So we got an exciting show today and some exciting stuff happened this past week. Uh, yeah. More than that, that Cam Newton situation. What you guys think about that? Yeah, man. That Cam Newton situation, uh, he, he talked about a day or two ago. And, Could you uh, tell, tell the audience about the situation? Oh, so Cam Newton was at um, a seven-on-seven. Seven, no, Olsen. no. Seven, he was at a seven-on-seven seven camp okay. that his name was on, and the camp, the winner of the Camp won five thousand dollars. So it wasn't a. So when you say the word camp, you think you come see this football player, y'all talk, y'all do something like that. It's just a seven on seven game, and the winner of the game got five five thousand dollars. Okay. So it was just a regular seven on seven game. It wasn't. It's a camp with his name on it. That's what it was. So he wasn't even hosting it. No, it wasn't host. He wasn't hosting. Just his name. No, his name was on it. Okay. So um, basically, he got into it with a team that that they had been battling for years with coaches he known for a long time. And they got into a little scuffle where he handled his business. Uh, guy tried to hit him, hit him in the face. Nothing happened. He was throwing cats around and stuff like that. So it was about, you know, a 20-second fight, but it could have got crazy. So mm-hmm. this week he came out and apologized. And, he, and the media was saying that it was the community and those coaches' uh, issue as far as um, they started and all that kind of stuff. Cam didn't say that. Cam said it was started by a lot of a lot of junk talking. And he, if he can go back, 
he wouldn't have talked all that junk. Mm. Right. Because in 707, which we're going to have a 707 show, right. they talk a lot of mess, man. Right. It's right. like it's over-the-top mess. Right. The, the whole 707 culture is ghetto. Just, <laughs> just to keep it real with you, like you got kids out there cussing coaches out and then adults' faces, adults cussing kids out. Um, I mean, you know, Cleo, Cleo and I, we used to have a 7-on-17 back in the day, and, and it started going in that direction. You know, as 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 we transition out of it, but it's it's it's, it's out of hand. And I would I would definitely say I would say it's competitive. Right. Nah, it's very competitive. Nah. Um. Sometimes it crosses the line, but it's very competitive. Yeah, it, cro- it, it crosses the line of real of real people stuff. Cause like an old school cat couldn't play seven on Kevin seven. You know why? Cause he'd be fighting. Get out my face with all that. You scored a touchdown, bro. All right. this giving me the ball and all this kind. That's too much. That ain't even right. in sportsmanship. And, and, and you're not even hitting. Right. Not even hitting. So the best name me the best seven on seven cat in the world that transferred to the NFL. I don't. Well, know. they all do. No, they don't. Because it's a lot of people that play seven on seven, right? And so right. how how many of them? I would I would say this. This is what I would say, and that's what I all that's what I always tell coaches is that when the when seven on seven came around, the development of skill positions improved. So now you see DBs who are now having five, six, ten interceptions during a season. Before then, you didn't see that. They got those extra reps. Now you're starting to see more, more dynamic receivers in college football and also on the professional level. I think it's a direct reflection of the development that's being done in 707. That's my opinion. So right. so, so, what are we talking about, though? Because, I mean, we can have a whole conversation about 707, but are we talking about Cam, Cam Newton's – his behavior yes. and yeah. how he should carry himself better. So, so it is in my opinion, and I think I was, I don't, maybe Jerry and I was talking to you about it. I feel like Cam Newton mentally is, is he he may need some therapy or checkup. He, in my opinion, he's in the same realm as AB right now. Just no, 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 I said in the same category. I didn't say okay, he was okay. as bad as. Okay. But if you listen to some of Cam Newton's conversations since mm-hmm. he's left the league, he he sounds like he's one French fry short of Happy Meal. <laughs> I got you, but you got to give him credit. This dude is in the streets, meaning he's in the community doing some things. Like you can see different stars that do not come back to the community. No, Cam does, and like that's a big thing for kids. So then and, you have to be careful. To that point, you have to recognize your stardom going into these places. People are probably going right. to egg you on, and you got to right. know because right. of the caliber of who I am, I can't get involved with this. And that's the point I'm making is he ain't all the way right up there. Like you can't go into the hood and then – all of a sudden become – you're Cam Newton. Like, right. you don't have no business tossing kids around. He could find himself in a serious lawsuit in the next couple of days. Right. And, and let's keep and it uh, – And the other side of it, too, it was so crazy that maybe two weeks before this incident happened, uh, two of the athletes I trained played in the tournament with Cam Newton. Mm-hmm. They came back and told me nothing but the stuff that you would be very disappointed here. They was telling me about one incident where a kid on Cam's team – Jumped over a DB. You know, we call it being mossed. Mm-hmm. So one of Cam's kids mossed another kid. Mm-hmm. Cam runs onto the field yeah. and gets in the face of the opposing and defender and talking trash. Like, you're a grown man, to a kid. To a kid. But that's, that, that, that's, 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 that's your 707 environment that you swear is so great. But let's, let's, <laughs> let, but let's, let's clear this up, though. Um, They're not in the hood. They're in Atlanta. Right. That place is a very nice place. Right. And let's clear this up at the same time. No matter if you at a rich place, a poor place, if you at a white place, a black place, People fight in sports, right? Meaning parents, 
kids, coaches, referees, they fight all the time. It's just right. not shown on TV because a lot right. of people don't have their camera out. So people get overly like into Zealous, the game yeah. and they and because it's their kid, they're 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 emotional about a win, a loss, about a foul or whatever. It happens all the time. To the point where, and uh, we're probably going to cut to commercial break so we can bring Chandra on, but to the point where um, my brother, uh, his stepson, so my nephew in Miami, and y'all know the culture in Miami is crazy. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. My nephew, super talented. I think he was in fifth or sixth grade at the time. They put a hit out on my nephew. I heard that before. And my brother had to go out there. Now, this is when my brother was still in the league, so we had to have a conversation with him. Don't go out there being crazy Mm -hmm. because they would love nothing more for you to come up in there, act a fool, and then now this whole situation gets turned around. But the culture in just football, Pop Warner, even up to seven-on-seven, has become so violent, it's not even about football anymore. It's about parents wanting to fight refs, refs. Coaches wanting to jump on rest, it's gotten kind of crazy. We're going to cut to a commercial break um, and stay on the line because we'll have Chandra Cheeseboro back here. Is being brought to you by Premier Physical Therapy. Your wellness journey begins at Premier Physical Therapy and Rehabilitation. It's the gold standard in orthopedic and sports rehab for adults and adolescents alike. Give them a call at 904 996 6922. And listen, we are looking for sponsors to come and join our sponsorship team here at Amateur's Edge. If you or someone you know would like more information on how to become a sponsor of this great sports show, give us a call at 856 296 5108. You're listening to the Amateur's Edge on 1010XL 92.5 FM. We will be back with former Olympic sprinter Chandra Cheeseborough after these messages. It's the Amateur's Edge brought to you by B3 Better on 1010XL. Go ahead, start twerking, Randy. <laughs> Come on, bro. You know he took his You know he took his shades out. You ready now? I'm you ready. Let your knees. Ain't no twerking over here, man. We're about to start sweating. Hey, hey. You see that? You see that A on my hat, bro? You ready? Respect me, bro. I'm twerking the A. That's why we want to see the footwork. We know you got some footwork. We know you got some footwork. Okay. Yeah. We know you got some footwork. All right. I got a BAT. What they call it? After dog. Oh, yeah. no. What they call uh, it? Uh, Tip drill. I got a list. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. I got all <laughs> oh, my God. Back in the day. Man. Oh, cut school. it out, man. Hey, look, we want to shout out uh, local high school teams that are competing in the state championship games today. The Bishop Kenny girls are going against the Lake Highland Prep. All right? They're going to be tipping off at one today in Lakeland. All right? And then we, got, we also have James Collins in the Jackson High School. Mm-hmm. Going against St. Petersburg Gibbs, man. We want to wish those teams good luck today. And yes, um, man, we all behind you here in Jacksonville. And, and, and both um, both organizations have been a staple in the community for a long time. And it's been a long time coming. So we need the city to get behind these two these two teams because it's, it's their time. See if they can make it down there and support them guys, man. Definitely. definitely. Sounds good. Listen, it's that time for us to talk with and. And give flowers, too. You know, they always talk about giving people their flowers while they're still here. So this is a great opportunity for us to shower Miss Chandra Cheeseboro with her flowers today. Miss Cheeseboro, are you there? Yes, good morning. Good morning. How are you in Tennessee? How's the weather? Good morning. 
the weather is kind of cool here in Tennessee. We have bipolar weather. <laughs> <laughs> We've been feeling like that in Jacksonville here in the past couple months. I feel like summer and spring have been having a battle over who's yes. going to win. But I know you'll be here in a couple weeks. Um, I'm sure you're traveling here for your namesake track meet. Are you coming in? I am. I am. Awesome. Awesome. We may have to get yeah. you into the to the studio when you're here. But listen, th- I mean, there's so many places we can start because you're such a highly decorated athlete. So congratulations to you for all of the accompli- accomplishments you've had through the years. Um, but let's start with the fact that you started right here in Jacksonville at Jean Ribal, And Randy had a question for you um, to kick us off. So what you got, Randy? All right. Uh, how you doing, Ms. Cheeseman? I'm doing well, and you? I'm good. I'm doing good. Me and you. Before I start, awesome. me, me, me and you have some some in common. You're a track star. You've always been around track, and I'm I'm kind of a track guy too. Uh, I don't know if you heard about the racetrack gas station where they got two for three <laughs> two for three chicken sandwiches. I go there every day. It's like a track meet. But anyway, all right. So my thing okay. is my thing is that you was at Reebok, and you were in the Olympics at a very very young age. But yes. the, the the first thing I want to talk about is. How was sports back then at Reebok in 1977? That's kind of I don't want to make you feel old, but that's when I was born. But that was not that was not too far from desegregation. So how was that? Because Reebok well, was a white school. It was, but it it had already integrated when I got there. Okay. So um, I didn't experience that. So I really couldn't say you know how it was the the um, integration period. It was, you know, dying down. I wouldn't say it's over. Was it half? It was, was it half and half? Down. Was it half and half? Like half white, half black, or was it all black? Uh, when I was there, we probably had maybe ten white. Okay, maybe. so it was it died yeah, down. Yeah, it was totally. already. Okay. Yeah, it already turned over. Okay. Yes. Okay. Yes. And then so. how how about how did how did how did you turn in from being a track star at Reebok to being in the Olympics that same year? So. Um, my, like you said, my athletic career started really early. I started running in the sixth grade. So my first um, track meet was at S.A. Hull, and that's still in the community of, on the north side. Um, my first track meet, I got second place ever. And then from the seventh grade on, I never lost the race. Oh, wow. 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 From, wow. From, from middle school all the way through high school. So, Period. And, uh, yes. <laughs> but um, how I went from the high school going to the Olympics, my uh, the legendary Ed Temple, who was the track coach here at Tennessee State, he first initially saw my sister. My sister was a high jumper, and she jumped for Butler. Anybody know about Eugene Butler back in the day? Yes, ma'am. Okay, so my sister was a high jumper, and he offered her a work aid scholarship and she said it was too far for her to go, you know, from Tennessee. And so she turned it down. And when I was in the sixth grade in, in 1970, I told my mom, I saw my mom was very disappointed. And when they came back home from Nashville that summer, I told my mom that I'm going to go to Tennessee State and I'm going to run track and I'm going to make her proud. And so, you know, your words are really powerful. Yes. And so from that, in 1974, I was reintroduced to Coach Temple at the Junior Olympics in Lincoln, Nebraska. And then he invited me to his summer track program in 75, where I broke onto the scene. And I won my first gold medal in the Pan American Games at the age of 16. Mm. And then the, 
the following year, I went to the Olympic trials and I was the sixth fastest in the hundred meters in the world. So you were, you were running against grown women during that time. So how, how did you prepare mentally for something like that? Um, you know, being young, the new kid on the block, just having fun. You didn't really think about it. You didn't overthink. And I think what's happening today, you know, we push our kids to the limit and Mm. they get too serious about, uh, being in a sport and, you know, parents just want to let them focus on one thing. I think you should let your child adventure in a lot of things and then Mm -hmm. make a decision later. But, you know, and, and that's when the mental part come in where you, you know, they're, they're so stressed out because I got to do this. I got to do that. Instead of having fun and enjoying, you know, just a ride or just being a kid. About what age you think, uh, because I have a son and that's a great point you brought up about taking it serious, about working at a craft, and also, you know, still allowing them to be a kid. About what age you think we could start, a parent could start thinking about, you know, kind of seeing where this thing goes with a sport? Like, what what age would that be, would you say? And I know they have a lot of age groups, and and, uh, if you want to introduce your kid to it, I, I don't see anything wrong with it but I don't think you should make them do it. Right. And if the interest is there, then pursue it with them and let them have fun. But one thing, and this is what I live by, do not quit. You if go. you start if you mm-hmm. start something, you got to finish. And that means if I started this season, at least I will finish out this season. And if I don't want to come back next year, I don't have to. Right. But at least I finished this season. And, then, and, and then I a, think that's so important. And, and, and then another one for me, another rule for me, everything you said I, I love. Another one for me, you got to do something. You ain't got to play sports, uh, but you got to play piano. You got to go. Yes. Do You got to do a debate team. You got to do something. You just can't stay at home and play a video game for me. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. A- absolutely. I think we just need to introduce them to find out what is their gifts and talents. Right, right. So, Miss Cheeseborough, I see you ran with Evelyn, the great Evelyn Ashford. How, how was she as a teammate and as a person? Huh. Evelyn was different. <laughs> uh, <laughs> she, she wasn't really, uh, you know, a sociable type person. And, uh, you know, coming from Tennessee State and um, being under a, a great coach like Coach Temple, Coach Temple taught us how to pass and to receive the baton in both hands. And my first encounter with Evelyn, she didn't know how to do that. And so it was frustrating, but we worked through it, and we did get the goal. Miss Chandra, I have a question. So having been a, a former track athlete myself, I can honestly say that one of the things I think that kept me from being better than I was, I couldn't get past the mental block of running fast. And this is what I mean. So, you know, these days – they allow track athletes to stick to the one race that they're good at. Back when I was running, it was like, okay, you're good in the four, you're going to run the eight, you're going to run the mile, and you're going to do the distance medley medley relay. And what I think what kept me from being great was the fact that you have to overtrain for all of those races. 
And I couldn't get past the mental block of if I give my all in this race, I'm not going to have anything for the next one. You were running really fast at a young age. How did you keep that momentum up to last you throughout your career and remain so successful? You said you never lost a race after the second grade. How how does someone do that? The sixth grade. The sixth grade. But, Excuse, correct. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what? First of all, you got to have fast fiber twitches that comes along and that's talent and so you know being talented at an early age and coming from an athletic background my mom my dad my dad was an awesome baseball player in the city of Jacksonville and so coming from that you know DNA was already there Mm -hmm. Uh, and I, I mean now I know we have so many personal trainers and they want to focus on this and they want the kids, like I said, you got to let a kid be a kid mm-hmm. and have fun. If they break records along the way, that's that's exciting. Most of the time, and I may be stepping on toes, parents want to live their dream through their kids. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But we have to let our kids have their own dreams and their own talents and just support them as they go along. So um, by your coaches putting you in this and that, Maybe they were trying to find your niche. You thought it was one thing and it could have been another. Mm. And I'm not sure. But, yeah, sometimes coaches do know, you know, what they're looking for and when they see talent. And, you know, everybody wants to be a 100-meter runner. (laughs) Everybody wants to be the fastest runner out there. But there's there's about 14 other uh, sports in track and field that you can find your niche in. Yeah, I, I think I'm the fastest at ten yards. But so, I, <laughs> so you, you talk about up, up time, up, up times and and bad times in sports. And so I see that you worked hard, but you couldn't uh, run in the 1980 Olympics because it was boycotted. Like, how did you Correct. how did you get through that? I know that was a hard time. It was hard, but you know I was still in college and I still had an opportunity to continue training. I was the first um, sprinter for Nike. Wow. with Athletic West, and mm. so I was on their track club, and they signed me to a contract, and that allowed me to uh, train for the Los Angeles Olympics. So, uh, again, it was tough, and especially for the athletes that didn't have an opportunity to keep going. Yep. And, you know, it's hard. Well, back then, it's not like it is today. You can train and, and make a livelihood. Mm-hmm. Um, in track and field, mm-hmm. but you know, we we opened the door. You know, we were getting paid, but we not we wasn't getting paid like they getting paid, paid today. Now, yeah, yeah. But I, but but you know, it's always a pioneer for everything. Yes, right. And I was just about to ask that, so thank you for bringing that up. So back then, what was the contract like with Nike, being the first sprinter to sign with them? What did that look like? Um, for me, um, you know, Nike was a more of a a uh, distant program when they first mm-hmm. got on the scene because the uh, field night, you know, came up with the shoes. Right. I, I can say my salary was decent. And every gold medal, you know, I got paid for the medals and stuff like that. So I had a comfortable salary. You still got yeah. the medals now? Yes. What are, what, are, what are they at in your house? In a drawer. I don't, I don't, don't tell I, Randy because he'll try to run up on No, no, no. <laughs> I'm just saying, do you have them hanging or something? That's all I'm asking. No, I don't have them hanging. Okay. I don't know. No. And she has some humility, Randy. That, you know, learn that right humility. 
You spell it. How about it? Listen, if you <laughs> guys are if you guys are out there in Radio Land and you have some questions for Miss Cheeseboro, especially if you're from Jacksonville, give us a call here at the station, 904-641-1010. We're coming back with her in the next segment. And I am interested to hear what she thinks about the current track and field, um, how these girls are running now. So we'll have that conversation when we come back. Uh, Miss Cheeseboro, if you can hang on. So this segment was brought to you by Premier Physical Therapy. Your wellness journey begins at Premier Physical Therapy and Rehabilitation. Give them a call at 904-996-6922. And listen, you have a great opportunity to become a sponsor of Amateur's Edge and help some kids train at B3 Better Sports Performance. So if you would like that opportunity, give us a call at 856 296 5108. And if you're out there in YouTube land, shout out to all of our viewers watching us there. Thank you for joining us on Amateur's Edge. You're listening to us here live on 1010XL 92.5 FM. Catch us after this next break. I'm really the only one in the studio moving right now. Y'all bang your heads. I want to go about this chair. <laughs> Randy know he want to get loose. <laughs> Y'all trying to look tough, man. You ain't hard. We're back from break. And this conversation with former Olympic, highly medaled sprinter, Chandra Cheeseboro, is getting really good. And if you have a question for her, feel free to call in 904 641 10 10. So, Miss Cheeseboro, uh, we want to transition into life after track. When did you know it was time to hang up the cleats and maybe start your career as a track and field coach? So, um, I, my last Olympic trial was like in 1992. And so, my uh, coach at the time was Beverly Kearney. Mm-hmm. And she was the coach at uh, the University of Florida. And so I was going back and forth up there training with her, and she took another job at Texas. And when she left, I decided that I wasn't going to go to Texas because I just had a baby in 89. And so I took a job in Jacksonville working with my high school coach, Gwendolyn Maxwell. And then from there, I went to Lee High School, and I was the track coach over there. And I knew that it was going to be more for me. I knew I had a lot to give back. And my college coach called me in 94, well, actually in 93, and asked me to apply for the job at Tennessee State. And I said, I'm not going back to Nashville. I don't want to go back to Nashville. (laughs) So I didn't apply for the job. So the next call I got, Wilma Rudolph and Coach Temple was on the call. And Wilma and I were really good friends, and Wilma said that Coach Temple felt like I would do a good job in Nashville and taking on, you know, the um, the leadership of the Tiger Bells. So I went ahead and applied for the job, and when I applied, it was 44 applicants, and it went down to 11, from 11 to 4, and 29 years later, I am still the director of men and women's track and field at Tennessee State University. Wow. That's amazing. That's, 29 years is that's that's a nice good amount of time. Yeah. Outstanding. So what all roles or what is the job of a director of track and field entail? Everything. <laughs> so so you manage so you manage the men's and women's everything. team and you recruit the coaching and you have yes. do you take so, part in recruiting as well? 
I do. I do everything, like I said. But um, most of yeah, just running the program. And we, we train together, the guys and the girls. So we, um, I have, and we don't have enough coaches, but we have four coaches on staff. And so we split up our duties. Like I have middle distance and some sprinters. And then I have a sprint coach, sprint and hurdle coach. I have a jump coach. And then I have a GA that's always rotating every two years because I give a um, a young person an opportunity to be my thrower's coach and get their master's degree. So if you know any anybody that's graduating out of programming a thrower, I'm always looking for one. I so you get your hand, so you get your hands dirty yourself too. So you get out there and coach a little bit. I I, I, I coach every day. Yes. Okay. Yes. I used so to throw that thing, like coach. A, Excuse me. I used to throw that thing. You you oh want a God. you want a master's degree? No, I used to throw. You say you need a thrower, right? I used to throw that thing. I said no, no, no. I say a thrower's coach. Yeah, yeah, I can be a thrower's coach. I used to throw, I used to throw that thing. What we what we throwing though? She talking about yeah, a shot put. He man. hasn't quite shot figured put. out oh, what yeah. he wants to shot do put. yet. I know. Okay. I'm looking for a job, so I, I'm trying to. Oh, okay. I'm trying to, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. So so with you being back and and doing all the amazing things um, that you've accomplished, being the director there. And now you have a Heisman Trophy winning football coach, Eddie George, that landed on campus to take over uh, the Tennessee State football program. Has the campus seen any added energy? Um, has the donors come out to participate more? What, what's, the, what's the feel? What's the, what's the feel from Eddie George now being a part of that program at Tennessee State? You know, um, first of all, you got to get the alum to buy in. Mm-hmm. So if you don't get the alum to buy in, it's, it's difficult when a new when a new person come in because Eddie is not a um, HBCU graduate. It's it's hard, you know. Uh, when alum look at it, they want somebody that been down the trenches like they have, mm-hmm. and so and that's what he has to get the the alum to buy into where he's going and. Making sure that, and I and I can't say if this is true or not because I kind of stay in my lane. Um, making sure that an alum is on the program, you know, like a, a coach, because they know the culture, and right. so that's important. You know, you especially if you graduated from um, Tennessee State, you know the culture. You 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 know the um, the people that you're working with. So that's important. Um, Eddie's a good friend of mine. And so, um, you know, we, we don't have any uh, beef, but I've seen alums push back. Mm. Yeah. Oh, wow. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. That know. is interesting. And, and, and if you can hold that thought, we do have a caller on the line, so we want to get to him. Caller, what's your one question? What's your name? Rod Smith. Hey, Mr. Smith. How what's you up? doing? What's, what's up, your Rob? question? How you doing, Rob? Good. Hi, hi Chandra. Great hearing from you. I was on Charlie Helms' very first track team at Reebok, graduating in 71. So I just missed out on you, but I saw you run several times. My question is, how, how much did Charlie Helm work, work with you when you were running at Reebok? I, I went to Reebok as a ninth grader. You know, it was, um, I'm sorry, as a 10th grader. It was 10th, 11th, and 12th when I came through. And he worked with me my first year. Um, as a 10th grader, him and Gwendolyn Maxwell. Yeah. 
Awesome question. Thank you, Mr. Smith, for call, calling in. We want to circle back because this is something uh, me and the guys have had conversations about when it comes to PWIs and HBCUs. And you said something that was interesting in regards to the alum needing to be a staple at the university. You've been at an HBCU for almost 30 years now. What do you think can help change the culture? Do you think it's about former players coming back and you know, sowing seeds into their former institutions. How do we get HBCUs at a level where they can really be seen as a true competitor of a PWI? Well, um, first of all, we're going to be truthful. It's about finances. So the HBCUs, we see that they have not been getting the funds that was supposed to go to them. Hmm. Uh, Tennessee State has, what, two $2, million, $2 billion that was not given to them. Oh, wow. But the other uh, PWIs were receiving their funds. So, and, and, and not just Tennessee State, there has been a lot of HBCUs not getting the proper funding. So that makes a difference right there. You're behind the eight ball before you even get started mm. when you're not getting the proper funding. And so once, once that comes up, and it may not ever be an even playing field, but we got to teach our, um, we got to teach uh, alums to give back. That, that's, and, a, that's a good point. Yeah, we, we got to teach them to give back. And that's been a, a issue. A lot of people, you know, take from the program and don't give back to the program. How do you, how do you, how do you teach somebody to give back? How, how do you, how you start there? What, what does that start at? Does that start in, a, in some kind of a school program, why, like right here? Like and cut off I the think, ones in the past? Or how does that work? I, I think it starts when they first get on campus, you know, making them feel welcome and making the experience a great experience and being uh, uh, um, on the college campus. You got to start from day one and investing in them. So when they get out and when they get the big jobs, they'll invest back into their school. That's a good point. My, so so when it comes to recruiting, because you are competing with the PWIs in your area to try to get the star track athletes in Tennessee to come to Tennessee State. How does that affect your recruiting to get the top runners to choose an HBCU over a larger PWI? Well, um, sometimes it is difficult, but when you have um, student athletes that want to really go to a um, HBCU, that makes it easier. Also, making sure that you're campuses are nice campuses that you know compete with the facilities and i'm telling you it's a long time coming but last monday they just broke ground on my uh outdoor track mm. and, wait wait and, wait uh, you said my outdoor track it's gonna have your name no i'm sorry oh, okay <laughs> but, but, <laughs> i was about to say that's director, huge so not, yet. not yet not yet yeah 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 have my name. no it will it will not have my name because it's named after the legendary coach ed temple gotcha so yeah, so I'm just saying our track. Yes, they just broke Amen. ground, and we're we're getting a new surface. When I tell you it was a long time overdue, mm. but it's here now, and we're excited about um, you know the future of it. And just um, I mean, it took a long time, but we're here now. So I was a former coach in the Ohio Valley Conference, and I coached at football at Jacksonville State. And we always competed yeah. against Tennessee State, right? And yeah. Yeah, you guys. I, I always said to the coaches, um, that program is the premier program in the conference. Even though we were, you know, we were pretty dominant at that time. 
Um, but I always felt like Tennessee State was like right there, breathing down our neck. <laughs> I just always wondered what separated us because you guys had an indoor facility, practice facility for the football team. We didn't. You guys in a major city. Um, we weren't. We were in the middle of nowhere. Right. Um, but I always felt like you guys were the upper echelon of the conference. What do you feel like what kind of keeps you guys from just dominating that conference year in and year out? So with Tennessee State, where it's located, we have about five or six major colleges right there. Mm -hmm. And so for me in track and field, um, the PWI, they get the the white students and the black students. Tennessee State don't get the white students. Mm. And that that's been a you know difficult part of it. We you know the white students will walk onto a program, and then that you know you don't have to spend a lot of money when someone's walking onto your program. Right. So we got to spend a lot of money for student athletes when another institution don't have to spend. So when you give fifty percent, I got to give a, a um a, a hundred wow. just to get that student. So now I've cut my scholarship opportunity down because you can get you can get two for my one. Wow, that's a great. So it point. makes it difficult. Yeah, right. yeah, Randy. Okay, so I got a question for parents that uh, kids are running track. So I know in college you run indoor and outdoor, but I, yeah. I got a lot of parents that like run indoor and outdoor at a young age, from a very very young age all the way to get to college. But I, I got other parents that say they shouldn't run indoor. Do you, when you recruit a kid, uh, is it their indoor, outdoor time, a collection of both, or would you suggest them run indoor and outdoor all the way from nine years old to get to you and run indoor and outdoor? Oh, Jesus. I think that's a long time to be running. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you're going to, it's just like park one of uh, football. Mm-hmm. You start out with a big crowd, and then when middle school comes, the crowd gets smaller. Mm-hmm. High school is even smaller. Uh, college is even smaller, and professional is just a handful. So that's that's a long time to be running. Again, when I first started talking about allowing the students, now if the kid want to run and the parent is not pushing them, you know, go ahead and, and, and let them have fun. And let them know that, you know, you're going to win some, you're going to lose some. But I don't think it should be a job for a nine-year-old to run track. Mm. You know. I, that's that's just me. And I can remember my daughter, I was telling my daughter she was going to run track. I had her out there early. She was like, it's too hot out here. I don't want to run no track. You know, okay. So when she said that, what I did, I put my daughter in dance. There you there go. go. Yep. And she started dancing. And when she began to run track, she ran, she was one of my student athletes. She ran for me. And she was a nine-time OVC long jump champion. Wow. at Tennessee State. Yeah. So her legs were strong. That Mm -hmm. was the ultimate plan for me. Okay, I'm going to get a, you know, I'm going to just wait until she's ready. So, and that's how we end up running track. That, that's a good point you made. So so before we run out of time, we want to get your opinion on the current landscape of track and field with runners like Shakari Richardson and Gabby Douglas. You got Cindy McLaughlin. uh, Let's not forget about the Juice and Jamaicans. 
Okay, the juice in Jamaicans. Okay. <laughs> we'll talk about them too, but No comment. <laughs> <laughs> no, we want you to comment because you were running with them back then. But it, it's so interesting because when I look at the times you were running over 20, 30 years ago, and you look at Flojo's times, who I mean, do you see anyone breaking Flojo's times, especially in the hundred and the two hundred? What what is your yeah, opinion of these close. runners now? Oh, it's close. Um, you know, the times has changed and someone will break the record. Right. Um, you know, it's different. It's a, a lot of different things out there. Uh, uh, I don't want to say people are drugging, I'm you know, that's my own you. personal yeah, a lot of opinion juices. on that. I'm gonna let you guys stick with that. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> I'm just, look, clearing the records. You guys put that out there, but, um, uh, <laughs> You know, uh, times has changed. I mean, you know, uh, and students are running really fast. So I think the record is, and records are made to be broken. Right. So, yeah, some yeah. people they don't, but yeah, they are. Right. No, uh, I mean, you know, as, as technology changes and yes. sports yes. performance and all the different mo- modalities that are put in place, it, the records are going to be broken. Yeah, yes, absolutely. So, so where do you um, look? I, Go ahead. I'm sorry. Well, I was going to share this story with you about, um, when I was the coach for the Olympic team mm. and um, Sonia Richards Ross was running the 400 meters and I still hold the um, Olympic trial record, which was a 49 two. Mm-hmm. And so I'm as a coach, I'm standing on the sideline and go gun goes off. Sonia goes, you know, trying to break my record. I look at her and I'm looking at the clock. I look at her and she comes across the line, and she didn't break my record. I was like, yes! Oh, <laughs> USA! It was so, <laughs> it was so hilarious. Oh, my God. Because I had to bring my arms down. It's like, all right, let's go USA. Like, <laughs> that's what's up. That's what's she was up. out there faking it. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. That, that's real. We, we appreciate yes. the reality yes. of that story. And, and and honestly, we would love to have you back on we, when we get closer oh, no to the Olympics. Yeah. But but my final question for you, unless the guys have something, in, in your 10-year career, you've been coaching for 29 years. You've been in the sport for 40, 50 years. What is your greatest accomplishment and why? Well, I have a few. I think um, being 17 years old, going to the Olympic Games, mm-hmm. and being the sixth fastest in the world—that's one. Right. Running on the and uh, in, in the in junior high, I ran on the boys four by one relay team, and oh, we wow. won. <laughs> and we won that race, and we end up winning the um, county championship and my first OVC championship. I was able to call my coach and, and tell him that I won. So those are the three. Wow. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, we, we definitely appreciate you for joining us today. It, it was important for us to give you your flowers while you're here and have you open up this month for us in honor of Women's History Month. And um, so we appreciate your time. Again, we definitely hope to have you back when we get closer to the Summer Olympics. Who are you looking forward to seeing running this summer? Uh, I really don't know. I, I haven't been following them that close. You know, I just wait till the Olympics. It's, it's, it's different when you've been in it and you work in it every mm-hmm. day. It's, it's, it's something that you just don't run to the TV often anymore. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. Guys, you guys have anything? I, I, I did want to. Do you, you know, do you know my you. former coach, Maurice Pierce? Thank you. Thank you. Maurice Pierce. At Hampton. Yes. 
Okay. Yes. Cool. We'll, ha- yes, we'll have to we'll have Marvin. to share some stories about that. Yes, I do know him. <laughs> Listen, you guys, thank you for joining us today, Miss Cheeseboro. We appreciate your time. Anytime you want to come to to Jacksonville and come join us in the studio, you are welcome. Thank you guys for listening again. If you would like to be a sponsor of this great sports show, give us a call at 856-296-5108. We've had a pleasure entertaining you today. We'll see you guys next Saturday. See you on the other side.